tonight, um, I have a special guest that I want to introduce to you. Her name is Nancy Squires, and Nancy is the founder of Just Be Held Ministries. Nancy and I have had the privilege of having lunch a couple of times, and we could talk forever. We sat there and we said, we got to go at some point because we just sat there and sat there and talked and had a wonderful time. But she's very special in that she has used all of her family situations with her four prodigals and her husband, everything she's been through. She has these, all the trials she's been through, she has used this to God's glory and turned her pain into gain here. And um, she has started a ministry, the Just Be Held Ministries, where she provides retreats for women who are living in chaos and helping to fight the battles of their loved ones dealing with addiction and mental health issues. So with that, I'm not going to tell you any more of her story because I don't want to steal her thunder because she's got an awesome testimony. So I want to welcome you, Nancy. I want to thank y'all for having me tonight. And um, thank you, John. Thank you for here. So it's an honor to be here. And I hope it brings encouragement and hope to you. But I also want to say thank you for being right here tonight because it takes bravery and it takes courage to stand up and to come out and amongst other people and get help for yourselves. Let's put your prodigals aside. It's for you. And um, it, it is really hard to walk this road. Um, I've been at this for 17 years. I have four children and a husband. I've been married for 31 years. And all five of them are prodigals. So um, I've been there. I'm still going through it. And tonight I'm going to tell you my story. Um, and I want to walk you through it. And then I want to end the night giving you some hope and encouragement and just some real quick bullet points of stuff that's worked for me to get through and to be and be able to stand and stand tall in Christ and know that he's got me and he's got my kids and he's got my husband. So um, it is, like I said, a very humbling and I'm very honored that God is taking my story and using it to encourage others, using it to come alongside others, and most importantly, using it to show his faithfulness and to glorify him. So my husband and I, we live north Forsyth, and we've been in the Atlanta area on and off. We've moved about 13 times in 31 years. So we've been in and out of Atlanta area. He grew up in Atlanta. We attended college together here in Atlanta. And for, for now, we're at north Forsyth um, up on the lake. So it's been great. Um, our four kids, we have a 30-year-old, lives downtown, um, Atlanta, a 28-year-old that lives up and coming with us, or in the area, not with us, but in the area. And then we have a 21 and a 19-year-old at KSU. So um, we like to classify ourselves as empty nesters with boomerang kids, because invariably somebody is sleeping on a couch or somebody came home for whatever reason for a couple of weeks or maybe a month or so. So empty nesters, but boomerang kids. So we love to travel. We actually own a business. We're travel agents. Um, but my husband also is a consultant for higher ed. 
um, higher educational institutions, and then I run my ministries. So we're really busy, but, um, and like I said, our kids keep boomeranging back. We also have a granddaughter that's a six-year-old granddaughter. So I love playing with her, and she comes over quite a bit, So, um, which is always fun. So um, tonight, as I'm speaking, what I do want y'all to know is that this is my journey I'm talking about tonight. My kids and my husband have their journeys, and they intermingle, but some of the details are their details and their journey and their story to tell. Everything I say tonight that involves them, they have given me permission to say. Um, so I, that's just important for me that they knew that I'm going to tell parts of their story, but not the details. This is about my journey, my journey with God, my journey in God's faithfulness to me. Um, and what he has taken me through over the last 16, 17 years. So with that said, let me take you back 16 or 17 years ago. We were living in Florida at the time. Life was normal. At that time, I had late elementary and preschoolers. My husband traveled four to five days a week, um, every week of the year. So um, I sort of was raising the kids. Um, and he'd be home on the weekends. We lived on the family farm. It was great. Um, now, I'm a city girl, so I was definitely known as the city girl living on the family farm. And um, everybody in town just sort of chuckled at me and how I would run the farm. So it was fun. The kids seemed happy on the outside. Um, our life was normal, whatever normal can be. Um, it looked ordinary. Um, and it was a good, it was chaotic, but it was a good kind of chaotic. Running to church, we were very involved in church. We um, were all the way through all the kids being at home. Um, James and I still are. Um, but it was good. It was just chaotic, volunteering at the soccer fields, um, normal life, what seemed normal. So, um, and then there was a phone call. A phone call that I'll never forget, and it turned my life upside down. That phone call, did you know your child was cutting? No, no, I didn't know my child was cutting. And I didn't see the signs. I didn't know. And the walls began to close in around me. How do I help my child? I know nothing about this. So I was thrown into a world knowing nothing about it. Where do I go? Who do I talk to? And no one's going to understand. Shame and guilt set in while I tried to help my child the best I could. There I was in a world of unknowns, a world that felt separate from real world, a world that wasn't safe to let that other world know about. It wasn't safe to let that ordinary 
whatever that is, remember, world was. It was, home was not peaceful. Home was scary, home was terrifying, and home was chaotic. And I felt alone. I felt like I was in a dark hole with no way out. Does that sound familiar? You know. So my child was getting worse, not better. More destructive behavior. Nothing we were doing was helping. And I cried out to God to save my child, to save my family, to save me. And I cried to him asking, why were things not getting better? Why? Why, God? I went to counseling. I talked to trusted friends. Um, I asked for help. It became a daily prayer for me, a minute-by-minute prayer. And through all my cries and pleading with God, I knew in my head, I knew God was there for me and with me in my head. It was my heart that didn't feel it. So, but God brought to mind Psalm 34, 6, and it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So I knew God was close and I knew he heard my cries. I knew he would be faithful to save me and faithful to save my family. But I just couldn't see it in my reality. Life was hard and some days I doubted I could trust God. I doubted that I could make it through the day as I spun all the plates as a mom with a husband who traveled and four kids. So it was in those times of doubt and unbelief that God reminded me what Deuteronomy 31.6 says. Do not be afraid or terrified, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So God was with me. I knew he was with me. He wasn't going to leave me alone. He promised he wasn't going to leave me alone. He was going to be there through the good times, the hard times, the chaotic times. Knew it in my head, but that heart just wasn't feeling it sometimes. So all I knew to do was cling to those promises. The promises that I knew, I trusted the Bible. I trusted the promises of God. And I put one foot in front of the other. And I carried on to the best I could, allowing God to guide me. And he did. He was faithful to me. He was faithful to his daughter. Then another call came. And another child was in crisis. This child was on the verge of suicide. And just wanted to escape reality. My child was scared. My child was scared of me. And my child was scared of my reaction to his reality. He was scared of my reaction and what life would be as he walked forward. Because he was gay. 
and he was part of the LGBTQ plus community. But he was scared of me and he was ready to end it versus face me. So once again, why God? Why? Why the confusion? Why the pain? Why another child? Why all the pain? And what do I do? Well, I was surprised by what God told me. And this has become my war cry, I guess you would say. So in John 13, 34 and 35, it says, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciple. So clearly God was telling me to love my child unconditionally. It wasn't about being right or wrong. It was about loving just as he had loved me and loves me. God wanted me to love my child, putting aside the need to be right or to push my beliefs. He wanted me to give control of my child over to him, over to God, for he knew what was best. And at that moment, love became my task. Relationship with my child was my task. God was going to take care of my child and walk alongside them, both of them, on their journeys. Two kids, two chaotic events and painful events. And God, and a God that kept showing up for me, a God that continued to be faithful to me. A God that was walking with me and on most days, let's be real, carrying me to get me through. It wasn't easy. I lived life with worry and fear for both my kids. Can you relate to worry and fear? I was spinning all the plates that a mom spins and trying to keep life normal. Remember, I had two other kids, little kids. I was trying to keep it all above board. I smiled on the outside, and I was devastated on the inside. No one really knew the struggles I had. No one was really safe for me to talk to. I had to be strong, right? Mm, Yeah, no. Learned that lesson. And I had to hold it together for everybody, right? Mm, Yeah, no. So reality for me, I was barely holding on. And on those bad days, God would gently remind me and hold me. He knew he was with me. And my job was to love and to show his love to my kids. He was close to this broken-hearted mama. He was near, and he would never leave me. I did not need to live in fear. So everything was still going on, and we moved 
we decided we needed to move from where we were to get better help for my child that was self-destructive and with a mental illness. So we moved to Orlando, found some great help for her, great counselors, great doctor, but the best part was for me. Remember I told you I'm going to tell my journey. So the best part was for me. God was there already waiting on me. I truly believe it was his plan all along to get me there. He had a support group waiting for me that understood what I was going through. Through the darkness, the pain, the chaos of the unknown, when kids are struggling with some major issues in their life. A support group that to this day is a blessing in my life. A blessing from God and a gentle reminder that he loves me. A support group that many of you may know about. It's hope for hurting parents. Back when, before they even had support groups, I was in one of their first support groups in their home, and they brought me in, my husband and I in, and helped us figure out what, how to take one step at a time. It's a great resource. And with that move down to Orlando, God gave me hope. He gave me encouragement. He gave me angels on this earth to walk with me. They were a little farther down the path from where I was, but that's what I needed, and God knew it. God was showing me his faithfulness. He did not forsake me. He was right there with me through the chaos and the pain. But still, why? Why, God? Why? Two kids, really? All this chaos, all this pain, all this confusion, the struggles, mental illness, self-harm, promiscuity, a child that was part of the LGBT community and didn't know and was fearful for his life every day and was trying to figure life out, and it was hard for him. So why, why, why? And God answered again. Romans 8, 28. As we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God was telling me he was going to use the events in my life for his glory one day. But I had to wait. (laughs) I had to wait. It wasn't time. (sighs) So I clung to God's faithfulness, and I clung to God's promise that this would all glorify him. So we moved again. We moved up to Atlanta. Adding to the stress of life. Moves are always stressful. Shortly after we moved, two events happened that were waiting for me here in Atlanta that spiraled me farther than I was with the first two events. The first one, my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and died within nine months. I was thankful God had moved me here so I could be close to him. But he took my rock and he took my daddy. And he was gone. My dad was gone. So during the same time as all this was going on with my dad, it came to light that my husband had an addiction. 
my husband had a sex addiction, an addiction that he had well before our marriage, an addiction that after 20 years of marriage came to light, an addiction that put our marriage on the edge of divorce. It wasn't pretty, it was heartbreaking, and it had me on my knees yelling at God. Why? Really, God? You're doing this to me? Really? I have to walk this? Two of the best men in my life. It hit hard, and I struggled. I believed in God up here. But I needed to know the why. Why? And as only God can do, he carried me. He held me. He was patient. He let me wrestle. He lets me wrestle today. And he brought me to community. A community group, a small group from my church that to this day, in fact, we just got back from the beach, a weekend at the beach with five couples. We've been walking together quite a while. They aren't in the same boat I'm in, but they've had their trials, and they came and We became a community group together, and they have walked with me, and God gave me those four other couples to help me, to help carry my burdens. God was once again faithful, and he gave me the help I needed to make it to the next day. That is all I need to do, focus on the today. Lean into people he had put in my life, the groups he made available to me, and I could make it to the next day. I was not made to live in darkness of the chaos alone. God wanted me to have community. He wanted me to have support groups, a safe community, a community that understands and gets it. You have that here. So I clung to his promise that just a few years ago he gave me. My chaos, the events, he would use for good, and he's going to use it to glorify him. Hang on and wait a little longer, because I'm not through with you yet. And here came more chaos. Another phone call. And yes, I don't like when the phone rings, (laughs) because... Usually it's not that good phone calls. No, not usually, but it does happen. This was the third major one. Another child was in crisis, but this time God had already brought people into this child's life to help support them. He gave this child a support group. This child was facing the fact that he had been sexually assaulted by a distant relative. And I was in the house. shame, guilt, frustration toward me. That was my thought. I was angry. I was heartbroken. But I was thankful for the people sitting at my kitchen table, including my son. But this time, the feelings were right there. But God had promised me 
my chaos will be used for my glory, Nancy. Hold on. And so I got up from that kitchen table and I went off by myself and I said, okay, God, you've got my son. You've already given him the help he needs. Yes, we helped him, don't. But you have me and this is going to be used for your glory. I'm going to hang on and you're going to get us all through this. And he did. He, he is. And that child's fine. He's, he's good. So through all of this, God's strengthening me. He's giving me courage to stand a little taller because of his faithfulness. But here we go again. It's not over. I had to wait a little longer. Here comes that fourth child. Drug abuse alcoholism or alcohol abuse we had severe rebellion all during his high school years he was struggling through high school he's trying to make it through got mixed up with the wrong crowd and making some really poor choices so today I still think he abuses alcohol he is probably an alcoholic he doesn't live in the home. I can't really see it. But I had learned my job was to love. My job was to put my relationship with him over being right. God had my child. God loved my child more than I did, and I had to loosen my grip. And I had to make sure that I would have that relationship with him so that I could have influence. Now, don't get me wrong. There was punishment and there was arguments and it was chaotic in the home still. But I needed to have that relationship. My husband took, we just sort of shifted a little bit and he took over more of the parenting with that child. And I sort of took a back seat and became a cheerleader for that child. So we just sort of shifted roles a little bit to help manage that. Otherwise, I would have been too harsh on him and I would have lost him. So meanwhile, the child with mental illness and self-harm issues, now she's been diagnosed with severe behavior disorder. She had a child out of wedlock. And we were dealing with partner abuse and child custody issues with her. While that was going on, my other high schooler attempted suicide. So life wasn't easy. And I was learning to lean into God more and more. I was learning to rely on him to carry me, to carry my kids, to carry my husband. And with each chaotic event, I took a deep breath and I told God, just use it. Just use it. And I waited expectantly for that day my relationship with my heavenly father was growing my relationship with my husband was healing my relationship with my kids was good they still have their battles to work through but don't we all I tell you what I get a phone call from two or three times a week from each of them I get text from them 
I have a relationship with my kids. I became okay with not knowing the why. And I shifted my focus and my mindset to the what. Okay, God, you're not going to tell me the why on this side of heaven. I'll, I'll, I'll settle. But what's the what? You promised the what? So what's the what? What is it? So God just said, it's not time. Hold on. It's not time yet. I'm not going to tell you yet. Ugh. So he walked with me in the good, the bad, the ugly. And to this day, we're still having chaos and pain in our lives. And that's not over. I'll get to that in a moment. But in March of 2021, God revealed my what. God wanted me to use my gifts to start a ministry. A ministry for women who were just like me, smiling on the outside and heartbroken on the inside. A ministry that gave women 48 hours to get away. A retreat that provides ladies for hope, rest, hope, encouragement, and connection. I get to use my chaos, my pain, my heartbreak for his glory and point ladies and hopefully their husbands to God and the faithfulness. This may be hard, and this road is hard. We all know that. But God's faithfulness will get us through. So God gave me my ministry, Just Be Held. And I get to glorify him. God's faithfulness through our chaos and our pain. He's there. He sees it. He sees you. He hears you. What's your chaos? What's your pain? What's your story? Addiction? Suicide? Attempted suicide? Mental illness? Loss of life's expectations for your kids? Are your kids part of the LGBTQT plus community? What's your chaos? What's your pain? Life's not always going to be pretty. Life doesn't always turn out how we expect it. And my life still has chaos and pain. In fact, this past April, last week of April, the child that has mental illness and self-destructive behavior attempted suicide still not acknowledging that there's an issue. So it's not over. I'm still dealing in helping my children figure out their battles, praying daily that they'll listen, listen to God, and listen to those silent whispers. But in the meantime, I'm going to love them. And I'm going to have, I have, believe me, this summer I've had to put up some hard fences, some hard boundaries with my daughter. 
but I, she knows I love her. But there's just some things I can't accept. And I'll guide her to the right people if she'll take it. So my chaos, my pain, the hard, it's not over. Life's always going to have those hard moments. In my family, it's not perfect. God's not finished with them. God's not finished with me. But that relationship with my kids, I get to talk to them. I have the relationship with my husband. And not because my actions, but because I followed Christ's example. And I loved. And I continue moving forward day by day because I know God's faithful. He's going to be with me. He's going to be with you. God knows me and he knows you. God cares for me and God cares for you. God will provide for me, and he will provide for you. God has a plan and a purpose for your story, just like he does mine. Nothing like I expected, but oh, so much better than what I expected. Hang on. Wait. God is faithful. He's got you. We may not always know the why or the what, but we can trust him in our chaos and in our pain. So what have I learned and what would I like to pass on to you? Hope and encouragement. Look up, look around, and lean in. Look for the angels God is putting into your path. Lean into the people and the groups who are safe and who understand, who get it. They're there. You're here in the midst of one. So groups like this and organizations like this, Prodigal Child Ministries, Hope for Hurting Parents, Thrive, just be held ministries as well as many other resources be thankful yes be thankful to our heavenly father who loves you unconditionally put on his armor and march forward despite the chaos of the circumstances this next one's a biggie for me don't lose yourself in the bitterness, the anger, the shame, and the fear that comes with the lives that we see ourselves living. I had somebody look at me about a year ago, uh, maybe two years ago now. Nancy, you're not the same. You are bitter, angry, and I don't like you. My best friend said that. She goes, you got to get a grip on that bitterness because it's eating you from the inside out. And you lost the light of God. In times like that, and when I, I, I don't know what to pray and I don't know what to do and I don't know what to feel, I just go, Jesus, 
Jesus. You got to take the bitterness, you got to take the pain, you got to take the shame because I don't know how to get rid of it. And do you know what? He got rid of the bitterness, he got rid of the shame and the fear. Do I worry about my kids? Yes, but I don't obsess and worry to where I lose myself. I have moments, don't get me wrong, I'm not perfect, I have moments. But I always come back to Jesus. And come on, God, you got me. You had me before. You're going to carry me on. I know you are. You're right here with me. So give all those things over to God and allow him to replace those things with his love and with his mercy in your heart. So there's a song by Casting Crowns that I love. And yes, the song is what inspired my ministry. So I want to read you. It's there. Just Be Held song. And I want to read you just a couple of verses. And then I'm going to close in prayer. So if you want, close your eyes and I want you to just hear God speak to you through these words. When you're on your knees and answers seem so far away, you're not alone. Stop holding on and just be held. Your world's not falling apart. It is falling into place. I'm on the throne. Stop holding on and just be held. If your eyes are on the storm, you'll wonder if I love you still. But if your eyes are on the cross, you'll know I always have and I always will. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for walking with us and sometimes carrying us through the chaos of life. May we all keep our focus on you and look for the promises you have for us. May we keep our eyes open to how you're working in and through us and around us. May we not be discouraged with the hard things, but be encouraged knowing you are faithful in your promises. Help us to stop holding on and to just be held by you. In your son's precious name, amen. So, questions. That's it. That's me. So, questions. None? Okay. Somebody's got the baby eyes. Who's going to do it? Yes, Susan. Yeah. Okay, so I just had a situation happen today um, with my mom. Um, My daughter's an addict. Mm -hmm. She's been in and out of detox and trying to get her to go to rehab. And um, I told one of my mother's friends. My mother called me right before I left to come over here and is ashamed and embarrassed and she's in a different place than I am because I'm no longer ashamed so do you have any advice how to handle that kind of situation I would you said it you're in a different place you're farther down that road than your mom love her Try to talk to her. 
help her see how you got through it maybe you know i you know when as i if i answer as i do q and a um all i have is my experience and what i've walked through um my mom didn't find out for quite a long time um all the issues um she was more upset that i didn't allow her to take the journey with her with me that i didn't br- bring her along so um i had to give her space to an understanding as she processed because it's a processing thing and it is her friend that was told and the shame and it could be unsafe she feels unsafe i think we all can relate to that you tell somebody and you're hold your breath waiting for that how are they going to react is this was this a safe person was it not a safe person you know so give your mom some time that's what i would say she'll she'll, she'll come around i think so i'm sorry you're walking that hard Yes sir. Nancy, how have your children accepted each other with all of the issues that you described? Are they encouraging of each other? Are they supportive or are they judgmental? Um of the um the the child my child that is um gay um is we have family dinners. They all come over. But so I have three boys, one girl. So my other two boys just really aren't accepting of that. They know how important it is for me and family is. Um but they're not going to hang out with that brother. They're they are they cordial? Yes. They're all cordial, they are, but they're just not best friends. There's not going to be. I'm not expecting that, but I do hope and wish they come and have family, you know, and be family. I think if something happened to him and he needed help, they would be right there for them, for him, but they're not going to hang out with him. So, um um this last suicide attempt, um the other kids were you're being selfish. So they're a little angry still. Um I'm a little angry still cuz I think it was very selfish. <laughs> She you know, there's a daughter involved, there's a granddaughter involved in that and um so that's we're still it's still fresh. We're still all working through that, but there again, they text, they do call, they do show up at the house. Um so they participate in a family text. So it's a little iffy <laughs> but they do know how important family is and they're willing and and I do I really do think any of them would come to any of their aid if it was they needed to in fact one of them was one of my children was the one that got the text from the other child that I'm gone please tell my daughter I love her so um and he immediately called us so they're getting another phone call but um you know they're they're dealing they're trying they're um they have their own issues so it's sort of hard um at different you know on different levels but 
maybe I don't want to say they put up with each other, but maybe they do just put up with each other for right now. Um, I, I wish I would have, because I had two little boys when this all first started, when the cutting started and rebellion started. Um, and there's a seven-year difference. So I tried to shield, and I they tell me now they wish, I, they knew everything, but they had their perspective of everything, and they wish I would have been more open with it so who knows I just didn't feel like it was age appropriate at the time but hindsight they they wish they were like mom we knew we knew so why didn't you just talk to us about it help us out help us process that so I don't know would that have helped I don't know so Mm -hmm. you mentioned you had to set some firm boundaries I believe with one of your daughters Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so when you did that Did you do that knowing that if you did that, that that might push her into worse situations or harm or, or anything like that? And how did you deal with that? Um, I did, and but she had also made this statement, I don't want you to parent me anymore. And she's an adult, 28 years old, needs to be parented. But um, she didn't want me to parent any longer. Okay. Go live your life. They're your choices. So I've, I've come to believe, I mean, all my kids are adults now. Granted, I have a 19-year-old, 21, 19-year-old still in college. But, so it looks a little different than my 30 and 28-year-old. I really, um, they're their choices. They're making choices. When it comes, and so I almost think of it as a fence around me, and I can allow people into my fence, and then I can ask people to leave my fence if it disrupts my yard. And with my older adult children, um, when their behavior starts disrupting my yard, now my yard is my husband and I. Y'all are all supposed to have flown the coop. now, granted, because of her mental illness, she's still around. We've kept her close, okay? Don't get me wrong, but she asked to leave. She asked to go, and I went, okay, and I shut the gate. Um, she has, last week, she did ask to have a conversation with me, and she's trying to come back. She realizes she didn't make the best choice in that decision, and um, I'm with guarded. I'm guarded right now, so we're still working through that. But when I had to ask her to leave and not come back to the house um, because of some things she said to me, it was because I had to, she was disrupting that inside my fence and harming me and would harm the other kids and all of that relationship. So there, and I just... It was heartbreaking. I didn't like that. I didn't like that feeling. Um, but, yeah, she was making her... It boils down to you made your choice. And I, I'm i sorry. Yeah, I think as a parent, you still you'll carry that, or at least for me, the guilt sure. of pushing them out, setting those boundaries, and knowing something bad could happen. You want to keep them safe or protect, but yet you still have to do that. And it's, it's a difficult 
little dichotomy to have to deal with that I'm struggling with. It is hard. And, and it's different depending on the age. To me, okay, this is all my opinion. It's different with the different age children. You know, they're less than 18 and in the home. I, I, treated, I treated that differently than when they're out and beyond college. Um, it just comes down to their choices. And, and I, you know, I, I have helped. I've helped, and but I'm not going to, I mean, we got her out of a sticky situation last week, and um, where she was going to be homeless. There is a fine line. There, I think we all can say that, right? I mean, the enabling versus helping, I, I just don't think there's a clear answer, and I think it's different for every child. I, I do. I, I think it's different, and it depends on how they're reacting, you know, what's their, you know, if there's no sense of urgency for to help themselves, that's different than someone who's really trying to help themselves and can't. That's different than someone who's like, I think somebody said to me, the way, um, are you sort of to think about enabling. Are you doing something that they should be doing and can do for themselves? So, um, mental illness can put a damper on that. And they can't do what some other, what what a um, functioning adult can do. They, they just, sometimes they can't. Um, I don't think my daughter will ever have a full-time job so if she's never having a full-time job she can't support herself so what does that mean something my husband and I are struggling with you know so something we're working with the counselor on you know um, to help me in all of those decisions through each of my children I go to a counselor once a month I just do some days I walk in and I go, I feel pretty good. What do you want to talk about? You know, and it's just a check-in. And other times, it's we get into some really deep, deep things, like the enabling. What do I do? You know, I actually, I've been with him for many years. I have his cell phone number. So when my, uh, he's walked through to suicide attempts with me, with my kids. So he, he was, I'm like, what do I do? Help. You know, so... I think getting help and having that professional that can help you figure out what that enabling and the helping looks like, given the circumstance, is important. I know that's not a clear answer, and there's not a clear answer. I don't think. So, a lot of prayer. (laughs) So, it's, it's... my journey that God's taken me on. So, but thank you. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your uh, your ministry and the, the retreat that you do for the ladies and all that? Mm-hmm. So, um, this retreat is for to give ladies an opportunity to get away from the chaos and the pain. So it's for any mom that has pretty much, 
you know, it's hard for me to say it's only for mental illness, moms with mental kids that are battling mental illness and addiction because I have it all. And so it's really all those moms. <laughs> so um, any of the moms walking through chaos and pain of home, loss of life expectations for their kids, whatever that may look like. Um, they come in on a Friday. Um, Friday's all about the fun. And um, the place where I hold it currently is in North Georgia. Um, so we sit by the fire at night. We just sort of relax. Saturday is about giving them some um, large group time and some information, but we have small group time that helps them process what they're hearing in large group. There's only three main top talks um, that they get, but they're processing a lot in small group, lots of free time to hang out. Um, and then um, Sunday morning, we have one more talk, and, um, and they go home. But my, my hope for them, my vision, my mission for it, is to give them a place to find rest, hope, encouragement, and connection. Um, some of the reactions that have come, I've had two so far. I'm having another one in February. Um, so twice a year right now is what I'm doing. Um, if I find a place somewhere across the country, um, I'll have three. Um, but it's, it's really, some of these ladies are coming worn and weary. In the first retreat, it was so interesting. I say fun, only the back end was fun. The first day when they all showed up, worn, weary, tired, you could tell the burden on their face. By Sunday, everybody was laughing had a smile on their face, and they were ready. They were going back home to the same chaos they left, but they just, they, their cup was filled. It's an opportunity for their cups to be filled, shore up some holes in those cups, fill themselves back up so that they can go back home refreshed. They've been in the presence of God all weekend. It's very much faith-based um, information um, all weekend long. That's the weekend, 48 hours of reprieve, just to get away. So, so thank you for asking. I am, I'm pretty blown away by, I cry every, every Sunday morning. I have the last two retreats. I've cried massively because I am amazed at the goodness of God and what he's brought. And that he's given me the opportunity to give ladies that reprieve. And they get to take that home and be a better mom. They get to go home and be better wives because of it. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you. Thank you very much.